Right, welcome to Radio Edgy Talk, uh, broadcasting today from uh, Hillside School in the lovely village of Aberdour and Fife. And delighted to welcome to the show today um, Dr. Alice Thompson, the co founder of Social Bite and the lead for the We Sleep Out um, that we're going to be finding out about over the next 10 or 15 minutes. So, welcome to Edgy Talk, Alice. Thank you, thank you very much. It's really uh, lovely to have an excuse to be here in Aberdour. Uh, it's lovely to have you over and um, just to start off with, can you give us a little bit of a background to your, yourself, um, uh, your kind of career or careers and <laughs> take us right up to the present day and, and yes. a bit about your organisation? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, first of all, I came to Edinburgh, I, I was, my, my family grew up in the Highlands. My, 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 <laughs> my family, none of that makes any sense. I grew up in the Highlands, um, even though my accent doesn't sound like it. So I moved down to Edinburgh for uni. Yeah. And I did that for two years, and then I dropped out of uni because it wasn't um, fulfilling me. I was just out drinking all the time. It wasn't really um, doing anything for me. And I found an internship with an events company, and it turns out that was Josh, who most people are aware of who Josh is these days. He's the other co-founder of Social Bite, And he was starting an events business, um, and that was where I found the internship. So that's how Josh and I met. And then we spent a couple of years doing events until one of those events led us to Bangladesh for a sort of once in a lifetime fly by the seat of your panties kind of a a trip where we um, went expecting one thing. And then while we were there, we were completely inspired by social enterprise and microfinance and all of these incredible things that were helping people who were in the very worst situation in society. So people who were begging on the streets, people who were starving to death, these social enterprises and economic systems like microfinance that Mohammed Yunus had developed were actually addressing the problems for people at the very bottom of the food chain. Um, and once we saw that and we experienced that in Bangladesh, we were like, wow, we should, we should go back to Scotland and do something completely different. Um, and that's sort of how Social Bite was born with you know a lot of brainstorming and all of that. But... But I mean, truthfully, we went from, we were in Bangladesh in October of 2011, and by March of 2012, we were selling sandwiches on a, a trolley into any corporate that would have us. <laughs> um, and by August of that same year, 2012, we were we opened a shop. So it all happened very fast. Um, but just at this point, Alice, many of our listeners, um, you know, teachers, people involved in all areas of education, but can you just... Clarify for listeners um, what we mean by social enterprise and microfinance. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, social enterprise is just, I, I don't like the, the name social enterprise. I always call it social business. That's what I normally call it. That's what Mohammed Yunus calls it. Um, and Mohammed Yunus is a Nobel Peace Prize winner and he's the reason we went to Bangladesh. So it's a business that has a social objective. That's like the simplest way to put it. It's just any old business that doesn't exist to make the people at the top rich. So it can either give all of its profits away to charity, it could be any business. It could be, I mean, it shouldn't really be, but you know, for all intents and purposes, it could be an oil company. As long as it gives all its profits away to charity, it's it's not existing for personal greed and it's um, a social business, although I do think people in the social enterprise community would probably have a complaint to be made if there was an oil company that was claiming to be social but nonetheless yeah so you can do it that way or you can just like build it into the business that it operates in a way that helps people um 
or benefits the community in some way. So Social Bite is sort of a hybrid of both of those. Um, we employ the homeless community, we feed the homeless community, we are now pioneering new housing policies and working with the Scottish government to implement them. We fund major research studies which help us figure out what the best way forward is politically and socially to end homelessness. So we do all of these different things where we're actually providing services, but we also give money to charity whenever we can, so like other charities. So um, yeah, that's a social mm -hmm. enterprise. And so the, the work that you're involved in, can you say a bit more about it in the context of the, the We Sleep Out then? Yeah, yeah, the work that I'm involved in, sure. So, um, so we started as these cafes and expanded into being a charity, um, just kind of learning as we went. Um, we kind of realised that this, the limited company couldn't actually pay for like 400 people's food every week extra. Um, no, I mean, food business is difficult enough to make any money in, but... So we registered a charity and we started fundraising to cover the money to, to feed all of these people and to provide all of the support that we provide at these exclusive events for them. And that kind of slowly led me into um, the We Sleep Out. So that charity aspect of Social Bite um, does a lot of fundraising. Lots of people heard about Sleep in the Park. Um, that was a big sponsored sleep out in Princess Street Gardens in Edinburgh originally. And then last year we did it in Edinburgh, Glasgow, Aberdeen and Dundee all on one night. So yeah, the Sleep in the Park thing was really exciting and, um, and people responded really well to it. And it was a great tool because we raised loads of money um, and we were able to get you know the government's attention and the public eye and really make some changes with this Housing First policy that we're now working on. But the thing that did happen after the first Sleep in the Park year was we were just sort of inundated with messages from young people, whether it was primary school students or high school students. Um, and because of the role I was doing for the charity at the time, where I was kind of doing a lot of public speaking and representing the brand externally and internally to staff and all of that sort of stuff, that kind of gave, I was kind of the uh, reciprocal for all of the young people that were getting in touch with us. And they were just kind of, perplexed and frustrated because they wanted to be part of Sleep in the Park but they were too young and they felt that they were just as smart and just as capable and just as passionate about ending homelessness as all of the adults were um, and I was even getting people saying things like I would have done a sleep out in my school and or maybe we could have done it in the back garden and invited everyone yeah, yeah. over and we could have got sponsored and, and then I just realised well that's crazy that we're not tapping into that because clearly you know, young people in Scotland are a lot more powerful than we were giving them credit for. And, um, you know, really they weren't able to come to sleep in the park because of a health and safety issue. Yeah. You're sleeping outside in minus zero um, temperatures. So, um, yeah, but the We Sleep Out is now this program where um, anyone can take part. You get registered on our website and you just get a bunch of resources for free. We do like online workshops that people can take part in. So you can just park a kid in front of a YouTube video and leave them there for a couple of hours and we'll do all of the work on YouTube with them. Um, we've got a bunch of written resources and for younger ones there's like colouring resources like posters and flyers and all of this sort of stuff. Uh, but also lots of statistics and so they can learn a bit about it as well. Um, but yeah, you sign up for free, you take part, there's no minimum fundraising target like there was with Sleep in the Park because for me this is all about kids and young people and making it accessible to everybody. And um, 
And the idea is at the end of the year, they all do a sleep out, preferably on the same date, although, you know, you can do it any time of year that yeah. works best, uh, preferably on the 7th of December this year. And, um, and you get sponsored what you can, if you can, and raise a little bit of money. But more than anything, we're raising awareness and we're engaging young people in this really political nationwide conversation that Social Bite started. And, um, and the funnest bit, the funnest, that is a word, <laughs> the most My fun. Children use that one all the, time. <laughs> the funnest thing. The most fun thing about it is that, uh, for me, is that I get to travel around Scotland doing workshops at schools, whether it's high school or primary school. And um, that's what I'll be spending my year doing from June onwards. So obviously everyone's sort of so off. So the school's signing up at this, mo- this moment in time. So we actually we'll have a, yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're sorry, you're right. Um, we have a soft launch, which this is actually inadvertently became part of. Yeah. Um, we are launching just to schools exclusively at the beginning of June, the 4th of June. Um, and that would just be a mail out to schools, comms just to schools. Mm-hmm. And then we're doing like the public facing PR thing in August, which is right. when we'll do a bit of a song and dance about it. But we just became aware last year that you sort of need to let schools know that you're planning on doing something like that before they go off for summer. Yeah. So that's what we're uh, doing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, as from June the 4th, you can go on and sign up and you can get in touch with us and we'll come to a workshop. And if for any reason we can't get to you and we can't do a workshop, then you can have an online one. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. That's so what the We Sleep Out is, and that's my favourite thing. So this this is the second year of the We Sleep Second out. year. So can you pick out a couple of the highlights from from last year in terms of yeah. creative approaches to it? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I have to mention Gillespie's High School in Edinburgh. Um, their teacher, Emma Stone, was just incredible. Um, she really just took We Sleep Out on, and she loved Social Bite and the whole thing. And they ended up with, I think, just over 200 pupils taking part. Wow. Um it's just insane. Um, so they ended up with just over two hundred pupils, and um, it was incredible. They had like they've like without me even helping them at all, they've just gone and created like this blueprint for an incredible we sleep out, which she's also been kind enough to give me, and we're gonna type that up and put that on the website too, so people can follow this. Mm. But she had like an origami room, a karaoke room. A, a writing room so people, people came in and wrote little messages to social bite or they wrote messages to the local homeless people mm-hmm. and we gave them out over Christmas so I was opening up these little notes from hundreds of pupils that were saying things like be strong be brave we're with you and like oh it just really gets to yeah. me even now so um so, so they had all of these different things going on throughout the course of the evening and they had a few things like um scavenger hunt and stuff like this like around the whole school and and um, the way they did it is they had every 10 pupils had one teacher or adult chaperone. You know, some parents had PVGs and stuff yeah. like that. So they had one teacher assigned to every 10 pupils. And as long as they knew where those 10 pupils were for the evening, then they were okay. They could move around any room and take part in the activity. And pupils were able to sort of arrange themselves into those groups of 10 so that they were felt like they were hanging out with their friends all night. And they just got their parents to sponsor them and they raised like 12 grand. <laughs> so it was incredible. That was really amazing. But so many other things. I mean, other schools were amazing. We had primary school pupils writing Christmas cards to homeless people and they sent them to us so that we could give them out. Um, and we had people doing videos, like putting together videos of the evening and sending them into us to be part of our big video at the end. And yeah. That's incredible. This is all part, you mentioned a, a wee while ago, um, about the housing first mm-hmm. policy. So mm-hmm. how does that fit in with the policy? Can you tell us a bit about yeah. that? Yeah, of course. So um, 
So we kind of discovered through some of the research that we funded um, a couple of years ago that there was this incredible housing policy called Housing First and that we just weren't utilising it. Um, we had basically asked Harriet Watt University to research uh, how to end homelessness in Scotland. The title of the study is something more academic. It's like eradicating homelessness in Scotland's four largest cities. And then it's something about providing a framework and a, a funding tool or something like that. But essentially we just asked, how are other countries actually ending homelessness? It must be happening somewhere and what are they doing and what are we not doing? And it came back with loads of interesting stuff in it and loads of um, things that I'm sure we'll hopefully embark upon at another point. But the first and most urgent thing that we came across in there was Housing First. And that's essentially something that Finland do nationwide. It's something that pockets of the US and Canada do. It was born in the US, um, in New York. And it's essentially, what we do right now with our housing system is we ask people to prove that they're houseworthy by proving that they're employable or that they're physically disabled or if they're not employable or physically disabled, are they mentally disabled to such a point that they can prove it in a system that would make them a priority for a house. So what Housing First does, it turns the whole thing on its head and it says, shelter is a human right. If you do not have shelter, we will immediately provide you with permanent housing as quickly as possible. So um, once you're in that housing and that shelter, which obviously the main problem there is, you need shelter. So if you don't have the houses, that's where the problem is, which is most of the time where the issue lies. But we were able to find 830. I mean, it's incredible how much you can do when, when you have a lot of money, so yeah, some celebrities yeah. and, and, um, and the public eye on something, which is what Sleep in the Park really did. And what We Sleep Out contributed to last year was really putting the focus on this. So we were able to find 830 homes that weren't going to be given to um, homeless people, which we're now channeling towards people who have been chronically homeless for a long time. Mm -hmm. And once they're placed in that housing, it's really then that Housing First begins. It's called Housing First because you put them in a house first, but really it's about the support. So they get wraparound support, yeah. um, help reaching out to a strange family, help with their employment, help learning how to budget, help learning how to create relationships so that they don't become isolated and so that they're able to uh, build a life for themselves even when the support's taken away. But the idea is that the support doesn't have to be taken away. There's no, you get this for a year and if you don't do it right, you get it taken off you. It's none of that, it's just some people will need it for a couple of months, some people will need it for a couple of years. It's individually assessed. Yeah. So that's kind of, I mean, I could talk about it for all day, but that's basically it. And uh, I should have asked at the start, Alice, but you know, what, what, what are the difficulties and how, what are the difficulties at the moment in terms of housing and homelessness? Yeah. And how is it different from, from the past? And, you know, I'm, I'm busy like everyone else and I'm becoming more and more ignorant. I'm completely yeah. aware of that. Yeah. But, you know, I have been to Cardiff recently and I was in Glasgow last week and just trying to understand, mm. you know, how homelessness has changed in yeah. nature, and we've seen the tents everywhere and things like that, yeah, and that's, that's something I never wasn't yeah. aware of before. Yeah. So what, well, I don't think it's just you. I think anyone like I was completely blind to it as well, and it's you know I work in the sector, so I'm I'm afforded the opportunity to to, to learn about it and be aware of it. But um, so I definitely wouldn't blame anyone for being <laughs> ignorant about it. Um, I think everyone's a little ignorant about it. Most homelessness happens because of relationship breakdowns, so <clears throat> that could be somebody who has a divorce that could be somebody who falls out with their family that could be unfortunately children who grow up in care have a 50 50 chance of becoming homeless and yeah. um, so that's probably because for some reason or another a lot of the time they've struggled to maintain well I mean, not for some reason or other because the parenting wasn't solid at the beginning for whatever reason that they struggled with 
they these children have not learned how to form long-lasting relationships which is what we all need you know I've been through periods of time where I would have been homeless I've had landlords kick me out early and stuff like that but I have lots of friends who I've built you know long-lasting relationships with and and through that I get to stay on their couch or they have a pull-out bed and me and my partner stayed there for two weeks in between but if you don't have that luxury and you don't have that thousand pounds to put down a deposit on a flat and you get kicked out of somewhere that you know maybe you're able to make a 300 400 pound rent every month every month but as soon as that relationship breaks down you know you're you're kind of screwed unless you have a a system a foundation Mm -hmm. so I think most of the time it's relationship breakdown um and there's you know like a thousand other components to it I think at the moment we've got um Airbnb and stuff you know at the moment we have all of these houses being bought up which are being used for Airbnb stays which means that they make a lot more money off of them um, and everybody's doing it you know unfortunately it's not just dodgy landlords it's normal people that want to make a bit of money because it's difficult to make money in this world and if you think oh if I start you know if I moved out of here and I just rented a small place I could rent my place you know these are the kind of things people are doing but unfortunately it's making housing incredibly difficult for people to get onto the housing ladder in the first place and then the other side of the spectrum for that is that people who were never going to see the housing ladder are being pushed out of more affordable housing by all the people like me who are now you know in the sort of lower end of renting Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah it's it's a big big complex issue and there's not one thing but that's kind of some of the stuff I think at the moment that's going on and um, and unfortunately when people end up on the streets you know, it's kind of so many of the things that we think, so many of the things that we normally think where we see someone homeless and we think, well, you know, not that everyone thinks this, but a lot of people go, oh, they're just a junkie, they need to get a job, don't give them money, they'll spend it on drugs, they'll spend it on alcohol. Um, but it's sort of, you know, once you end up in that situation on the street, you know, you, it takes a very strong-willed, well-equipped human being to withstand any of that negative social stuff. Um, and it's funny because like Sleep in the Park we did it two years it's a dry event we search bags on the way in yeah. but people will always find a way to bring alcohol to these things and we got complaints from certain groups who are near really rowdy loud drunk groups and these were like you know a lot of them were like corporate people like corporate organisations that were coming and just getting drunk in the evening and it's funny because, you know, when you look at it like that, you think, wow, we couldn't do it for one night without a drink. But how quick we are to judge someone else yeah. for wanting to spend their money on booze or for becoming a drunk. But it's like when you're down and out and your relationships are got maybe your parents aren't around. Maybe your husband or wife is broken up with you and you're on your own. How long would it really take you before you would, you know, be in a desperate situation? So those of us who have had an education and responded to an education and being able to get some sort of a job that we can maintain a standard of living we're really lucky to have that job because that keeps us sustainable but without that you know people who are working minimum wage people who are even working like up to living wage it's really difficult to survive like that and you certainly can't live on your own you can't afford to live on your own like that so you need friends and relationships I think you're right, Alice. We could talk about this all night. Um, yeah, unfortunately, absolutely fascinating, <laughs> and, and you know, all power to you and your your colleagues and everyone that you work with. It's absolutely, you know, op- totally opened my eyes. Um, <laughs> and it sounds to me as if this whole sector, for want of a better phrase, is, is thriving. And you know, there's there's great entrepreneurship, but with a, a, a social 
well, not not at social angles, social direction to, yeah. to all that all that they do. Um, I mean, just to finish up, where where can people go to then for for more information and, and crucially to, to yes. get involved? I know that I think I can safely say we'll definitely be getting involved. Thank you. After hearing about uh, that's really lovely. I mean, it's fun. It's fun for the kids as well, and they learn a little something and they remember an experience. So it's it's fun for schools as well. I promise. Yeah. It's not just it's not just misery. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I mean, if you want to find out more about homelessness and, and homelessness in Scotland, specifically Social Bites website, we actually have a lot of stuff up there. We have a lot of research, but, you know, not that I'm expecting people to read the studies, but the summaries are really good. Um, and then there's lots of videos we have on the website too. I've, our website is sort of infamously crap on our uh, in our office. We sort of always chatting about that. We have a couple of member staff who have figured out how to edit it and they've been doing a really good job of trying to fix it a lot lately. But the We Sleep Out website is going to be up from the 4th of June and it's going to be way more interactive and way more fun. It's separate to the Social Bite website, although they both link to each other. And we'll have loads of resources and learning material up there. Um, there'll be a, quite a fair bit that we'll put up just on the website just anyone can come and look at that stuff and there's going to be age appropriate stuff so you can show like animated videos to kids and things where you can show a more grown-up version to teenagers and stuff so i think we sleep out website will be a really good resource website for people and you can sign up there all of that stuff too thank you so much for dropping by thank you thank you so much